Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City Branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. I cover all things food, from cooking to gardening to fabulous ingredients to junk food, health, sustainability, even policy. You might say I'm obsessed with everything about food. Food is the one substance that connects everything to everything else, and it connects us all. Not only can we not live without it, not only does it determine much of what goes on in the world, but we love it. Hi, it's Mark Bittman, and welcome to Food. Today we're talking with Stanley Tucci about his show, his life, his great new book, and eating, of course. We'll have a couple of recipes for you as well. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, questions, anything else, call 833-FOOD-POD. That's 833-366-3763, or reach out to us at bitmanproject.com. So it's a great show. Stay tuned. I'll be with you in a minute. We're going to do recipes today from Taste, Stanley Tucci's book, which is mostly a memoir, but has a few dozen recipes scattered throughout, which all look really good. The first is for a Negroni, which I'm going to read verbatim because the charm is in the writing. One Negroni, up, 50 milliliters gin. 50 milliliters is a little more than an ounce and a half. You could do two ounces. 25 milliliters Campari. 25 milliliters good sweet vermouth. You could just say two parts gin, one part Campari, one part vermouth. Ice, one orange slice. This part I'm reading verbatim. Pour all the booze into a cocktail shaker filled with ice. Shake it well. Strain it into a coupe. Garnish with a slice of orange. Sit down. Drink it. The sun is now in your stomach. I love that. Stanley Tucci is objectively a big movie star, known for huge hits like The Devil Wears Prada and Julie and Julia. But lately, he's perhaps even better known for his Emmy-winning food series, Searching for Italy. Building on this popularity, people went absolutely nuts for this show, and Tucci is a great champion of good food. The adored actor now has a memoir. 
taste, my life through food, is not just that, but a love letter to his family, in particular his mom, who, he told me, he still calls for cooking advice. Stanley is as lovable as you'd hope and expect, and I hope I get a chance to eat with him sometime soon. Meanwhile, enjoy this conversation. Your book is called Taste My Life Through Food, and you dedicate it to your parents. I'm a parent. I like it when my kids thank me for things. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the food part. You say your mom did all the cooking except Friday nights when your dad cooked. Can you talk a little bit about what your mom made generally and what happened on Fridays? She made, you know, amazing stuff. And really, you know, she came from, as did my father, Southern Italian the Calabrese family, and so it was their parents who came over the turn of the century. And her stuff was what she learned from her mother, and then she sort of branched out from there over the years. But it was what I'm actually making today, eggplant parmigiana. But that her recipe I love because it's so, I think it might be my father's recipe, I'm not sure. But, but you know, stuff like that. And pasta with contorno, with the tomato sauce, delicious marinara. Veal cutlets, chicken cutlets, roast chicken, pork chops, you know, a thousand things. But there was always a vegetable. There was always uh, potatoes. There was always, she'd make a beautiful ragu on a, on a Sunday. It was an incredibly varied, healthy diet. It was a real Mediterranean diet. You know, you'd have fish, you'd have lots of greens, all that. Lots of, always a salad at the end of the meal. We always had a salad at the beginning. That was my mother's thing. Yeah, which is weird to me. You know, you even see it in Italian restaurants a lot of times, a salad at the beginning, which I think is, I don't like that. It's very American. I mean, it's the first time I went to Europe and there was a salad at the end. I was completely confused. It makes sense, though. I mean, it makes sense. As my father always said, you know, it's cleansing in every way. It cleans your teeth. It cleans your stomach. But I think also the it's the idea of the vinegar, too that the vinegar is alkalizing. So you've had all this acidic stuff, and then you have this little bit of vinegar, which alkalizes your system. It is weird in concept to think about salad at the beginning. It's like to start a meal with a bunch of vinegar. You know, what was also strange to me was when I first went to Italy, and everything was coursed so precisely, and then the vegetables came, you know, the contorni came at the end. Now we're going to bring you some vegetables. After you've eaten pasta, after you've eaten meat or fish, now we're going to bring you three courses of vegetables. That was always funny. But, I mean, you can eat in any order you want to. What difference does it make? Sure. As long as you eat well, it doesn't matter, you know. I do love the, the way the Italians often cook vegetables, too, which is, you know, they cook them to death. <laughs> I kind of love it. <laughs> you talk about how when you ate at your neighbor's houses, your friend's houses, it was a slog. It sounds like you were... I don't want to say a snob, but like you had a great palate when you were a kid. Have you passed that on to your kids? I've tried to. Yeah, I think there are certain things that they know. Definitely my oldest son knows. The little ones are not yet. I mean, they're only six and three, so they don't, you know. One day they like sausages, the next day they hate them, you know. But I think, yes, the, the older kids know. Nicolo will cook now. He really likes cooking now. The girls, not so much, but they'll know. They'll taste something and go like, mm, no, that's not right, you know. <laughs> but they're not, <laughs> but they're, they're not as discerning as Nicolo and I are. But it's not really, to me, it's not snobbism. It's just understanding quality, really. A snobbism is, I only eat Michelin-starred restaurants. Do you know what I mean? 
Babism is I only have bottles of Petrus around my house. And, you know, it, it, it's like, you know, or I hate Pinot Grigio. I never drink Pinot Grigio. It's common or something. And you're like, no, no, actually, there's great Pinot Grigio. And I bought a bottle for like eight pounds the other day. So, I mean, you know, that to me, it's just about quality. Right, right. Yeah, I think the thing with the kids is kind of funny because there's so much involved because they're judging you and they're judging how you're spending your time. And the food is part of it, but it's also personal too. I'm very lucky my kids grew up understanding food and, and I think that they have great attitudes about food as adults. You can't ask for anything more than that. Well, how old are they now? They're old. They're <laughs> they're, <laughs> they're old. <laughs> One of them is going to listen to this and hate that I said that, <laughs> but uh, one's 43 and 36. So yeah, they're grownups for sure. They cook. And they cook. And do they cook for, do you, you have grandchildren? The older daughter has a, a son, and but they both cook every night. I mean, their husbands cook a little bit or learning how to cook, but they're the cooks for sure. They're easy with it. They're easier with it than I was. I mean, I was really learning as an adult. They learned as kids and they're they're fluid. They're just comfortable in the kitchen. It's really nice. And they're not fancy. They don't like have any knife skills. So, you know, they don't have fancy stuff. They just know what good food is. It's great. I mean, half of it is in the shopping anyway. We all know that. Well, that's the thing. It's the quality. It's like, oh, I know that I'm not going to buy that zucchini because it's too big. It'll be all seedy and gross and watery. I'm going to look for the smaller one. <laughs> you know, it's, it's really simple stuff, really. You know, it's not you can say, oh, yeah, I'm just going to do organic. And for some people, yes, that's great because it's affordable. But a lot of people, it's just not affordable. And that's unfortunate. I mean, it's also not a guarantee of awesomeness. No, it isn't. It really isn't. No. I mean, it's a long discussion, but you can still get an organic big bad zucchini. And as my friend Marion says, organic junk food is still junk food. But yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Did you learn how to cook from your mother or did you learn later? No, I learned I learned from my mother. In fact, I was just making this. We're having people over for dinner tomorrow because I'm going to be away for a while. So we want to try to see as many people as possible. And I'm doing the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm regretting it right now. But I'm trying to do, I'm trying to cook and do podcasts and do the things. Blah, 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 blah. And I have a five o'clock car tomorrow morning and I'm having people over tonight. What? Yeah. Where? And I'm not packed. So, yeah. Where are you going? I'm going actually to the Southwest, sort of on vacation. I mean, I'm going to Jackson Hole to give a talk, but then oh, wow. my partner's coming out to meet me and we're going river rafting in Utah. So Nice. I don't know. I've never done it. We'll see. Yeah. Well, I hope you, but, you, know, I you hope have to you pack come back all kinds it. of yeah. weird shit. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. What were we talking about? Your mother teaching. Oh, my mother. Book. Yes. So, yes, she really was incredible. My grandmother, too. But my mother was a real teacher. In fact, I just called her up prior to speaking to you because I'm making these eggplant for these people. And I said, look, I can't remember when I make them and I'm going to cook them tomorrow. Can I just put them in the fridge overnight? Right. I don't have to. She's like, no, just put them in. I said, because they're all basically everything is pre-cooked. Right. And then you put it in and you bake it. Right. So you're sauteing everything and layering it and blah, blah, blah. And. But for some reason, I began doubting myself. So luckily, I can still call my mother. There's some stuff about risotto milanese. Did she teach you that? Yeah, she did teach me. But the person who really ended up teaching me that is Johnny Scapin, who used to be the chef at, well, he was at BJ for quite a long time. It's not when I knew him, but I, I knew him 
when he was the chef at Le Madre in New York, uh-huh. which is a was a really, really great restaurant. I was very sad to see that go. He taught me a great deal. And then I've learned from other people over the years. You know, of course, there, there are rules, but there aren't rules. So everybody's recipe is slightly different. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you learn so much, even if you cook with people who don't cook as well as you do, or I don't mean to say that insultingly, even if you cook with people and maybe you have more experience than they do, you learn something. You always learn something when you cook with people. Yeah, always, always. I'm trying to remember this risotto milanese stuff. Was was there some trick you're doing or something different you're doing about it? No, the risotto? No, no, not really. I mean, Johnny's risotto, I'm going to see him because we're going to do another starting another season of the show i'm leaving in a week from today and johnny is coming so i'm starting with the veneto this season johnny's going to come and join me because that's where he's from so we are going to cook i shouldn't say it but i think we're going to cook a risotto together which is very exciting because he was the guy who really really taught me how to do it i mean this is like not breaking news i don't think i I don't think so You say in the book that you're spending more time thinking about and focusing on food than you do on acting. I don't know if that feels like a career change or I know you were ill. Maybe that's part of it. What's happening with you these days? It was happening before I got ill. I just kept, I would say to people for many years now, you know, I just want to cook. I just want to learn more about cooking. Just, that's how I want to spend my time, really, you know. But of course, I can't do that. I mean, I have to make a living. And now I make my living is acting. It's not that I don't love acting. I love it. What I hate is the waiting. Either waiting for a job to come in, or then when you're doing the job, you're just waiting around on set a lot. And that's kind of tedious. I've done enough of it to know that, I mean, I don't know if what I've done is acting, but I've done television. And and you say to them, what time do you really want me there? And they say 8.30. And you say, no, but what time are you actually going to start? And they say 8.30. And you get there at 8.30 and they start at 11. Of course. Yeah, of course. No, it's torture. There's so much wasted time. And that's, that's a big part of it for me. That's the hardest part for me. I love it when you're in the moment, you're doing it. But yeah, you know, this show has allowed me to really explore that my love of food and cookery and and the sort of connections between people that those things engender uh, and still be able to act. So it's it's a it's a nice balance now. It's exhausting, but it's a good balance. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with more food in just a minute. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great, too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. 
one of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval, terms apply. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. Was there any link to the Paul Child role that played a part in your cooking more or thinking more about food? Or was that just coincidental? No, without question. I mean, I was already thinking a lot about food when that came along. And when it did come along, I was thrilled. I mean, I was thrilled because it was Meryl whom I knew. And I'd wanted to work with Nora. And I loved Julia Child. I thought, I mean, come on, she changed everything for Americans, certainly, when it comes to food. And I had been a huge fan. So even to sort of honor her in that way, posthumously, was great. I would have loved to have met Nora Ephron. I did meet and and even cook and hang out with Julia. And I think I was one of the last people to cook with her in Santa Barbara. Really? Wow. It was fun. She was a hoot. I was friends, I am friends with one of her former, I guess it is, producers. So we went to Santa Barbara together. But geez, it was a long time ago. She died in 2004. 2004, wow. The fact that her kitchen is in the Smithsonian I think is the coolest tribute ever, yeah. She had a lot of stuff hanging on the walls. I was like, I've never had wall space to hang stuff hanging on the walls. <laughs> Still don't. I mean, it's an okay kitchen, but it seems like there's just no wall space. What do you mean? She had her, like, Yeah, implements. battery de cuisine. Yeah, yeah right, right, right. She had stuff. Pots and pans and utensils and stuff. She had a lot of that. You know, one thing I really liked reading about was your school lunches when you were a kid. And my kids joke that they only got peanut butter and jelly on whole wheat bread. <laughs> and that I was this, like, ridiculous hippie who wouldn't give them. They're constantly trading for bologna sandwiches with ketchup. And, you know, I wouldn't have any of that. I don't know. Yours were funny. So what did you have and did you trade? Well, I would trade. Sometimes I would get bored of incredible food. That I was, eating, you know, so my I would have veal cutlet sandwiches. Usually it was leftovers, right? And it was always on a nice piece of Italian bread. I literally like half a loaf of Italian bread. I ate quite a bit, and so you'd have that, and you'd have chicken cutlet sandwiches. You'd have eggplant parmigiana sandwiches, and it was exciting and delicious. And my friends would eat, oh God, I don't know what. I mean, really, really questionable stuff. And a lot of that stuff would be like fluffer nutter 
sandwiches right. or whatever or, or it was called. Or bologna on white with yeah. ketchup. Yeah, exactly. And that's what they would eat. But I was not allowed to have anything even close to that. And so I would at times trade a really beautiful sandwich for, <laughs> you know, a fluffernutter sandwich or something. <laughs> Trafe, as we used to call yeah. it. Oh, bad. <laughs> I mean, really, really, really bad. But there were guys who, that's what they had every day for years. That was just disgusting. When I was a little kid, oh my God, we I'd go with peanut butter and jelly on white bread. Yeah, bologna sandwiches with yellow, French's yellow mustard. So I just, as soon as I was old enough, I started cutting school and going out to the local deli and buying lunch. It's like by the time I was 12, so... Good for you. I mean, those peanut butter and jelly sandwiches I adored. Let's say I wanted to ask you about your grandfather's wine. You say your grandfather made wine in the basement. How was that? I miss it only because he made it. Let's put it that way. I mean, it was painful to drink. Sometimes it was like rocket fuel, but it didn't matter. It had this very particular taste to it, and you just wanted to drink it all the time because you knew your grandfather made it. I loved it. That's really great. And after the first glass, I'm sure it was fine. You talk about frittatas also. Is there a um, particular style or addition to frittata that you like? I like a frittata with just about anything in it. I think that I never care for the frittatas that you know are made in the pan and then baked. I always find that they're sort of dry and not terribly interesting. I'd rather have a quiche, if that's going to be the case, than just making quiche. Whereas... A frittata, and Johnny again taught me this, a frittata properly made is on the stovetop is perfect. I don't think you need much else. You can keep it moister on top of the stove than if you put it in the oven. Yeah. And it's a great meal even for, you know, you come home and you're tired or something and you're going to just make something simple. It's like the quickest meal in the world, you know. Is onset catering better in Italy than it is in the States or elsewhere? Or is it the same crap? Well, it's, it's done differently for the most part, but it's just not good. And I think the reason is that what they do is they ask you for white or red when you're when they're coming to you for your lunch order. And you go... That's the only question. That's the question. And you go, I'll have white. <laughs> Which means you're going to get a little bottle of wine, of white wine, and with that, you'll get a chicken or a fish dish. And if you say red... Red, then you get a piece of meat. So the whole way it's served is based on what kind of wine you're going to drink. Well, I mean, it's just like, instead of going, you want meat? Do you want this? Do you want that? They just go white or red. Because what it does is it comes in like a little container, right? And you have a little piece of meat, some potatoes and a veg and your bottle of wine. That's your meal. And sometimes it's fine. You might have a little pasta on the side or something with it, or you know, but it's not really, when you know that here you are shooting in Chinichita and you know that, you know, two blocks away is an incredible restaurant <laughs> and you can't get there because you're in some weird outfit and you have lots of makeup on and everything like that. And you have to eat this stuff. I think that's what happens. Italians are not really, you know, they're not takeout people, right? When was the last time you heard an Italian order in? They don't do it. They go out or they cook or somebody cooks for them or something like that. But they don't do that. They don't go like, mm, let's order the pasta from the guy on the thing. No, because they know by the time that pasta gets there, it's practically inedible, no matter how good it was. So I think the idea of catering on a movie set is anathema to them because they stop, they go out to eat, they come back and start working again. 
what about Italian bread? You wrote something like, do you think the best bread in Italy is in France? Yeah. Which I, I, I get it. Some of the bread in Italy is okay. Yeah, yeah. It depends on where you are. I mean, Tuscany, you know, we know that that particular bread is particular, meaning there's no salt. That's tough. No salt. There's that famous Dante quote. Dante's mother sends him out into the world and says, you know, there's places where they put salt in the bread. Because he's... Fr- <laughs> He's right, from yeah. Tuscany. Or maybe I have it backwards. Maybe he's going to Tuscany and she says, you know, they don't salt the bread. But the first time you have that, it is starkest example of how important salt is that you can imagine. Because it just doesn't taste like anything. It's horrible. I mean, it you works. Get, you can kind of get used to it. Yeah, you get used to it, but better with it, really, and, you know, with salt in the end. I think, yes, in certain parts, a lot of times, you know, down south in Sicily, like there's a sweetness to the a lot of breads, a lot of all that stuff is quite sweet, which I don't care for. But I found, I found it so interesting because my grandmother's bread that she would make, and she was in the family who were from Calabria, her bread was incredible, delicious, had everything you wanted in it. Still, I don't know where, where you get really, really good bread in Italy. I don't know. I used to love the rosetti that you got in Rome, the hollow rolls that are all crust. I thought that was really good. And also, you know, pizza Bianca is bread, so that's good too. But I think it's gotten worse. I mean, I haven't been for two years, but I do think last time I was there, I thought, eh, it's just not as good as it used to be. But nothing is. That's just what old people say. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, though. I was in Rome. Well, now it's about two years ago. It was definitely before the pandemic. And when we shot our Lazio episode, which really was just Rome, I have to say I was incredibly impressed with so much of the food. Pizza, I happen to love that very thin pizza. I actually prefer it more than, because you have that, you can get that in Florence too. And it's like, I just love that. I could just eat that all day. And we went to a place, we never included it in the show, unfortunately, but the pizza was, it was just extraordinary. You know, and then all the different pasta, carbonara and alamatriciana and all that sort of stuff. It's hard to resist. I was in Rome in, in 76. It changed my life. It really did. Yeah. I think last question, and then you can, whatever you want to say, you can say. But um, <laughs> we know you're having eggplant parmesan. Is it tonight or tomorrow night? No, it's tomorrow. I'm making the eggplant parmesan, which is my, I think it's my actually my dad's family's recipe. My mother would make it and made it so beautifully. There's nothing's breaded. Everything's sautéed in advance. And you put little thin potatoes in it. There's no mozzarella. Wow. Yeah, it's really good. She told me she puts peppers in it, but I don't remember that really so much. I've never put peppers in it. Nothing hot or anything like that. Just a small sweet pepper. And it's marinata and maybe pecorino and a little parmigiana. And, and that's it. It's never claggy. It's actually really delicate. I was going to ask, we ask everyone what you ate for dinner last night. But we know what you're eating tomorrow night. Last night, okay, so last night was an odd night because I had to do a taped or recorded, quote-unquote, live event for the book release. So Blake Lively was interviewing me, and we were doing our event. So I didn't finish that until nine-something, and I didn't eat before that. So all I had was a bowl of soup and a glass of wine before I went to bed, a bowl of butternut squash soup that Felicity had made. It was a sad night. Nothing wrong with it, but I prefer something a little more substantial. What did you have last night? 
<laughs> I also had a recorded, I had a Zoom talk that started at 7 and ended at 8. And at 5.36, I was like starving. So I had some rice and beans, rice and beans with sausage. And then afterwards, you know, of course I was hungry. So I had a portion of ice cream, let's say. <laughs> <laughs> A portion of ice cream and a glass of red wine and went to bed. That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah, it was all right. I wanted to say the eggplant parmesan thing because it's funny. Whenever I talk about random recipes, like if I complain that you go online and you can't find a good recipe, it's always, I always say eggplant parmesan. It's In my head, it's become my sort of thing that I say when I'm thinking of a random recipe. You know, if you were looking for eggplant parmesan. But mine, and I don't know, I mean, I think this is just from years of traveling in Italy. I think mine is really just sautéed eggplant, red sauce, vegetarian red sauce, and lots of parmesan. And then put that under the broiler. I mean, it's really eggplant with parmesan. That's what it is. And I love that. I love that to death. And that's all you need, really. You know, I mean, my mom puts zucchini, right? So you do the same thing as zucchini and then the little potatoes. The and potatoes the, sound really the potatoes good. potatoes are really... I would like that. Because what you're doing with that is you're giving yourself in one pot, you're giving yourself your starch and you don't have to do anything else. It's all there. And it's a one, one pot wonder that unfortunately takes about four fucking hours to make. <laughs> but... Uh, but the potatoes also give you that, they change the texture. That's, I like the sound of that. Yeah, they do. They do. So you get the soft stuff and then you get a little depth from the potato. It's nice. Okay, well, I'm done. Is there anything you want? I can't imagine there's anything you want to add, but if there is. No, if I hear myself talk anymore, no. But I'll tell you, I'm a big fan of yours and I greatly appreciate you. I mean, I'm a great fan of yours, too, and it's been fun. I'll reach out when and if I make it to Europe, and we'll see if we can meet up. It'll be fun. Ooh, that'd be nice. I'd love that. Yeah, I'm here. All right. All right, man. Ciao. Nice talking Safe travels. Ciao. Take you care. You, too. You, too. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. This is Stanley's recipe for spaghetti with lentils. It's a story about broken spaghetti, that is breaking spaghetti up or using leftover bits of pasta, something he grew up with. But this is a simple, nice, vegan as it happens, wonderful pasta recipe. Cook a cup of dried brown lentils until they're just tender. Set them aside. Chop half a carrot, half an onion, half a stalk of celery, half a garlic clove, and cook them in a medium or large saucepan. I mean, big, because everything, including the pasta, will wind up in this. Cook all of that with three tablespoons of olive oil. I'm stirring until aromatics are soft, five to ten minutes. Then you take, while that's happening or whenever you want, you take half a pound of spaghetti and you wrap it in a clean dish towel and fold over the ends of the towel and roll and squeeze and bend. Do whatever you need to do until you feel that the spaghetti has broken down into one to one and a half inch pieces. Obviously, you put this in the towel so that spaghetti doesn't go flying all over the place. Then you put the towel over a large bowl and unfurl it and empty it of all of the bits of spaghetti. Bring a large pot of salted water to a boil and cook the spaghetti until al dente. That will happen quickly. And save half a cup or so of that cooking water before you drain the pasta. Drain the lentils, put them in the saucepan with the sautéed vegetables and along with a cup and a half of marinara sauce, that is simple tomato sauce. Bring that to a simmer, cover and cook that until the lentils have blended with the sauce about 10 minutes. Everything will 
become saucy. Add the drained pasta along with the reserved pasta water to make a consistency you like. Season with salt and pepper, of course, and then simmer everything together to allow the flavors to combine just a few more minutes. Serve immediately. I really had fun talking with Stanley. It was actually a Zoom call, so we were watching each other while during the interview, and we really got along. I do look forward to visiting him. So I want to thank him. He was, as I said, really fun. Thank him for coming on the show. You can follow Stanley Tucci on Instagram and Facebook at Stanley Tucci, S-T-A-N-L-E-Y-T-U-C-C-I. And his book, Taste My Life Through Food, is available now and really a fun read with some nice recipes in it. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next week. Folks, if you liked today's episode, and if you're still listening, I can assume that you did, then please subscribe to Food with Mark Bittman on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you like to listen. It would be real helpful if you left us a five-star review on Apple and detailed reviews are the best way for new listeners to discover the show. You can find the recipe from today's show in the episode show notes or at BittmanProject.com or at MarkBittman.com. They all kind of go to the same place. Finally, Food with Mark Bittman is a part of the Airwave Media Podcast Network. Check out Airwave's other shows at airwavemedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Mark Bittman, and thanks again for listening to Food. See you next week. Shopify helps you sell at every stage of your business. Like that, let's put it online and see what happens stage. And the site is live. That we opened a store and need a fast checkout stage. Thanks, you're all set. That count it up and ship it around the globe stage. This one's going to Thailand. And that, wait, did we just hit a million orders stage? Whatever your stage, businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for your $1 a month trial at shopify.com slash listen. 